to Freedom to Choose, brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, giving hope to people caught in the devastation of addiction. In this series, Questions I'd Like to Ask God, Rich Kallenberg shares 10 messages about God who loves you more than you can imagine. A God that wants you to understand Him. And yes, a God that welcomes your difficult questions about Himself and the way He runs His universe. Rich found freedom 18 years ago from his out-of-control life of drug addiction and alcoholism when God found him. Break free from the chains that may bind you or your loved ones. Now here's Rich on Freedom to Choose. I would like to start by saying a few things about what is happening around us. And I know you all have questions. And I thought, what is the best way to answer questions? And there's a saying, he who asks the questions controls the agenda, right? So in beginning here, I would like to ask a few questions to you, if you don't mind. Not individually, so nobody needs to be scared, but are you concerned about the future of the world? Because I know you have questions, that's why you're here. But I want to see if your questions are similar to my questions. You know, we have the potential to kill or to destroy ourselves. Do you think about that every now and then, on a daily basis? Does it really concern you? Are you concerned about your own future? And I know with what's going on right now with me, this is a big deal. That's a big deal, isn't it? That's a real big deal because it seems like it's even difficult to raise a family anymore because of what's happening in this world. And when you look around, it gets real scary. Have you many times asked, where is God in all of this? And I don't think you would be here if that wasn't a question in your mind, I ask this question every day. Where is God in all of this that's going on? Is this the best he can do? Because I know for myself, the reason I did not come to God in ages past, I thought as I looked around, Lord, if this is the best you can do, I don't want any part of it. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Because things are not good around us. And so I had questions. And that question, those questions have taken 15 years of digging to get answers. A lot of soul searching, a lot of, a lot of digging. If we go back to the beginning and we look at this text in Genesis 2.16. This is a very, very important text. And it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, 
But of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, is that a threat? Or is it a warning? The wrong answer to this question will affect your relationship with God on how you answer that question. Is that a threat or is it a warning? If we go to the book of Matthew and we see as the disciples are wondering what's going to happen at the end of the age, they ask him, and as he sat upon, now they're talking to Jesus, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And if you drop down to 24-7, it says, There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Is that a threat from Jesus or a warning? Things are not good. How can a God, a loving God, allow this to happen? Threat or warning? What is going on? What's happening to our world? Do you have these questions? When another innocent child dies, what do we tell the mother? Does, the God, does God that I know and you know still have the whole world in his hands? You know, we sing the song. Does he? You know, I have friends this past week finding out they had cancer, somebody's wife had cancer, somebody else's grandmother fell down, broke her hip. It was seems like punch after punch after punch. What is going on? And is this as good as it gets? That's the big question. Is this as good as it gets? I don't know about you, but the first time that I started to study the Bible, it was very difficult. How hard do we have to look for answers? Or do you get tired of looking because no one seems to have the right answers anyway. Get tired of struggling, looking. Does God enjoy it when we struggle and try to learn about Him, yet we can't seem to grasp? Let's talk a little bit about perspective, okay? I would hate to be that guy. In an accident, police like to have as many witness statements as possible to give them a broader, more realistic version of events. Okay? There will be many different perspectives on what happened. The driver of one car will have one view. Another driver or passenger will have yet another view. Each onlooker who witnessed the accident will have a slightly different perspective depending on where they were, how far they were, how good a view they had, what else was going on, how much danger they felt they were in, how the accident affected them, 
what the accident means to them. Now, speaking of perspective, I was uh, driving home from Marysville the other day, and I saw this truck and trailer flipped over, okay? And I drive by, and I'm going to take a couple pictures because I said, you know what, I got accidents in my thing, so this will be interesting. So I'll take a picture of this accident, and then I'll put it up on the screen. And as I drove by, I looked, snap a shot, and I don't think he was real happy about me taking that picture because I had my phone in, phone in one hand, ticket in the other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was going on. And he, was, he gave me, well, anyway. Um, so, but the point I want to make is I got home. I thought the truck and trailer had flipped over. Anybody think that? No? I had to study the picture. Look at the truck never flipped over. And as I, wa I was an eyewitness, had you asked me what happened, I would have told you there was a truck and trailer flipped over. I got home. I studied the picture. I was wrong. See, we need sometimes more than one perspective when we look at things. Are you with me? It's the same principle with everything. Each situation, event, conversation means something different to all those involved and also to those not involved. We give different meanings according to our belief systems and how we are affected by the event. And here's the most important things. We all have our own realities. We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. Everybody has different backgrounds. They've absorbed in their life different things, and so they view things through, through different lenses. And that's one of the reasons why we need to be patient with other people based on their backgrounds of what they've been taught Everything they've absorbed in their lives, they may have a total different perspective. And because it's different than ours does not mean it doesn't have value. Right? This world has been in a terrible accident. We are all witnesses. But what is it that we're seeing? That's the question. And more importantly, who is it that we're seeing? These are very important questions. Our question for tonight is, does God owe us an explanation? Or better yet, do you think he thinks that he owes us an explanation? Back in 1971, when I was 16 years old, I used to work at a little place up here called Wyatt Hardware Store. Now, it's not open anymore. It's since been long gone. But... I was, I had just got my driver's license and I was on a little, my little Yamaha 175 and I was coming into town. It was about 7 a.m. coming to work on a Saturday morning and I was driving along doing the speed limit exactly 50 miles an hour and a 1971 El Camino brand new pulled into my lane. It was only a two lane road, Highway 193 right out here pulled right into my lane, and started heading straight at me. I thought, oh no, <laughs> what should I do? And you think really quick, and I thought, this is someone that knows me, and they're playing chicken with me. No, and finally, all I remembered was my dad saying, if you ever go down on the pavement on your bike, stay on the bike. 
And that got in my head, and I laid that bike down, and I stayed on that bike, and that bumper went by my ear like that, and I blacked out. And I woke up, I don't know how long later, still on the pavement, still motorcycle, still going, and so I tried to pull the bike up, and it flopped over. And so I'm laying out there in the middle of Highway 193, and I'm looking around, and there is nobody, no car, no nothing. Well, what just happened? And all of a sudden, some guys that were working on the telephone pole came running up. And they said, we saw the whole thing. I said, you did? And he said, yeah. And so evidently, after they checked and they came back and I got up and I went home and all that stuff, they checked and they came back and they said, you know, he never saw you. Now, who this he was, was his name was Art Level. And if you've lived here <laughs> very long, I see some of you. Um, and he used to own this place called Level Chevrolet, which I eventually ended up working at, by the way. But it was interesting because I got home, and about 20 minutes later, Art Level showed up with his insurance guy with some forms for me to sign. And uh, so anyway, I signed the form. He never saw me, okay? From my perspective, he was trying to kill me. From his perspective, he never saw me. But from the perspective up above, they saw everything. Are you with me? So our perspective means a whole lot when we're talking about things, especially talking about God. In our presentations, there will be a series of 10 of them, okay? We are going to use four interrelated perspectives, okay? Four interrelated perspectives. The first is we're going to use the Bible. Now, in my program, I'm going to use three versions, the King James versions, the uh, English Standard Version, and the Good News Bible. The reason for this is, is because of perspective. I work with a bunch of Spanish-speaking men, and once a week, or every two weeks, I ask them to teach me a phrase, like, you got it made. La tienes hecha. So that I can go by them every once in a while and say, la tienes hecha. And they say, oh, yeah. So the other day I asked them, how do you say if you sleep with dogs, you'll get fleas? Or if I sleep with dogs, I'll get fleas. And they got together and they talked a while and they argued a little bit and they talked a little more. And then one of them came up and he said, si me duermo con los perros, se me pegan a las pulgas. Is that right? Okay. Now, then I said, what does it mean literally? They got together. One of them said, if you sleep with dogs, if I sleep with dogs, fleas will stick. The other one said, no, 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 no. If you sleep with dogs, you'll be pasted with fleas. No, no, no. Yeah. So what I'm trying to get at is when you translate from one language to another, there are a whole host of phrases that work for a certain phrase. So trans translating from Greek over into English, and my theologian friend Herb Douglas will, will help me on this, that actually the Good News Bible is the closest to the original Greek. So once again, I will use these three versions not to cross anybody up, or anything, just because of perspective, for reasons. Now, there's a 
New King James Version Bible in the back of the seats there if anybody wants to check on anything. The reason it's a New King James is because the King James does have some V's and thou's and, you know, some t- stuff in the language gets a little bit, little bit tough. And so we have those for you if you need them. But most of the text will be up on the screen and we will look. And also what we're going to use is another perspective. We're going to use science. Okay? We will use science. Not all the time. In fact, we're using science right now by using four different perspectives. That's scientific. So we will use the Bible. We will use science. We will use history. And we will not use current events because current events are history. Once they happen, they're history. Okay? So we will use history. And we will use common sense. Can we all use common sense? Can we all use some common sense? Yes. I will also use some writings of certain people that can say, for opinion only, that say things many times better than I could say it, so I would rather quote them, but that is for opinion only, and that falls in the common sense slot, if you will. Okay? So, four perspectives, Bible, science, history, Common sense. Nights one through four, we are going to talk about how God operates. Why do we need to know this? Because if we're going to talk about questions about what's happening around in the world today, we first need to know how God operates. If not, our questions will be valueless. We need to know what he does in certain situations, how he does things in certain situations, and then our questions can be answered when these situations come up. Are you with me? Nights five and six, how the devil operates. This is very important. Now, what I want from you is six hours of your time. Six nights. Okay? We understand how God operates. We understand how the devil operates. We can answer a lot of questions. And the nice part about it is you'll have more questions. That means the brain is... You ever, you ever notice that? When you get a question answered, it raises 50 more because a light comes on. You say, okay, well, that's good. I got that. Now what about this? And that's what we want. We want more questions. We want more questions. Do you remember... If you're a Bible student, I don't know if you, if you are or not, I don't know how much you've studied the Bible, but when Abraham was talking to God about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he kept questioning God, God, if I know you well enough, if there were 50 people down there in that city, you wouldn't destroy it. Do I know you well enough to ask that question? And God said, you know me well enough. If there were 50 people down there, I would not destroy it. Excuse me, God, if there were 40 people, you wouldn't destroy it, right? I know you, God. God says, you're right, if there were 40 people. And he goes all the way down to 10 people. And he's asking God. He's wanting to make sure he knows who God is. Remember Jesus says to some people at the end of time, I never knew you. God wants us to know him. So that's why it is so important we understand how God operates 
And it's very important we understand how the devil operates because they operate in the exact opposites. But it's really, really important we understand how they do. In an accident, oh man, in an accident, we have an investigation, don't we? And we, what we want to do is we want to find out the cause of the accident. Why? Because we need to find out how it happened in order to find out who's at fault. You with me? That's why they measure the skid marks, right? That's why they determine how fast you were going. And that's why things are the way they are, because they need to find out who's at fault. In this series, we will most definitely find out the cause. Definitely. We will find out who's responsible for all of the shattered dreams. The shattered hopes. You know, I'm one of those sentimental kind of guys. When I see a house like this, my mind, I don't know if your mind will go back with me, but my mind goes back to a 21-year-old man out there building that house by himself. And then about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, his wife comes with a picnic lunch. And they sit out there in the grass and they talk about their life that's going to come and all their dreams and all their hopes. Maybe they kiss and look into each other's eyes. And then two years later, she dies of tuberculosis. And everything's shattered. Or maybe he dies in some terrible way. You never know. When I see an old car like that, I think of a family, especially when you grow up in a small town like Lincoln, you knew everybody. You went, when somebody went uptown and got a new car, it was a big deal. The family would go up, they'd either go up to Level Chevrolet, I can't remember the name of the Ford dealership now, it was right up the road, but the family would go up, little ones, and they'd get that car and they'd drive off in the car and you know, it was just a big deal to get a new car. But there it sits. I don't know. You wonder what happened. Maybe the man had too stressful of a job and he started drinking. Maybe he had a wandering eye. Something happened to the marriage and the kids ended up in a foster home. Who knows? But there's history behind everything like this. This was a brand new, shining car, and it was the hopes and dreams of somebody. But it's nothing now. It's sitting in a junkyard or in a field. We'll also find out who's responsible for all the shattered emotions. Our losses, our failures, our inability to construct a future. That's what depression is. Plain and simple. Depression is an inability to construct a future. And there are many, many people. In a later presentation, we will talk about how people are coping with all the stress that's going on around us and what is really happening around us. And we, I mean, we can't imagine... Um, some of the statistics that we'll put up here of the people that are, um, are really, really struggling. They're your neighbor and your friends. 
So, what is it that God wants from his creatures? What is it? One word. What is it? Somebody say, love, right? That's what God wants from his creatures, is love. Is God going to take creatures like us who are broken and damaged and scare us into submission? Is that what he's going to do? Would you do that as a parent? We hear this sometimes from the pulpit. Where does it come from? Jesus, as he was walking to Jerusalem in the book of Luke, it says in Luke 9:51, as the time drew near when Jesus would be taken up to heaven, he made up his mind and set out on his way to Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of him who went into a village in Samaria to get everything ready for him. But the people there would not receive him because it was clear that he was on his way to Jerusalem. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose and this series, Questions I'd Like to Ask God. If you or someone you know is living in addiction captivity and having trouble finding God, Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that God does work miracles. They've created a seven-step, biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for yourself or someone you know, just give them a call and they'll send it to you. 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com Thank you for listening and remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you